Welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Merry Christmas Eve. We're so glad to be able to celebrate this time with you. Uh, we're also looking forward to continuing the celebration this evening at 6 o'clock. We have our candlelight communion service at 6. We hope you come back and bring others with you for that as well. Welcome everybody that's connecting with us online today. I know we have a lot of our regular members that are traveling, being with family, or during the holidays. We're so happy you can do that and still connect with us online. And everybody else is connecting with us as well. Thank you for joining us today as we continue our celebration of the birth of Jesus. I want to start today with a quote from the famous theologian, Dr. Seuss. Here's what he said. Sometimes you don't know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Sometimes you don't know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. We're in the fourth week of our Christmas series, Holy Moments. We began with this premise, life is not measured so much in time as it is in moments that stand out in our lives along the way. I think that's true for all of us. We don't remember our life in a linear a series of events, but we remember certain moments that stand out, good and bad, that really stick in our memories. We, we also thought about this premise as we've gone through the series, and that's this. You have no idea what God can do through just one moment of obedience in your life. And you have no idea what Satan can do with just one moment of disobedience in your life. It works both ways. That's why we call these holy moments, the moments of decision all along the way, every day, make a huge difference. They make up what becomes your life, every decision that you make. And that's what makes them holy moments. They can either be moments of decision for good, for God, or they can be moments of decision for Satan and evil. In week one, we looked at the holy moment of decision in the life of Joseph when he had to decide if he was going to take Mary to be his wife after he got the news that she was expecting a baby and it wasn't his. In week two, we looked at Mary as she faced that holy moment of surrender to God when God said, I want you to be the one through whom I will bring this Christ child to the world. And she surrendered herself completely to God and God's plan. Last week, we looked at the shepherds who had a holy moment of decision where they did not hesitate even for a moment to go and see what the angel had told them about, and they got to witness the holiest of moments, the birth of Jesus. They were able to be there with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus there lying in the manger. If you missed any of these in the series, they're archived on the YouTube channel. You can go back and catch them. I would encourage you. They all tie together in this series. This week, today, we're going to be looking at the power of a memory in the life of Mary and in our lives too. Just how powerful that moment of making sure we remember something that we should remember. How powerful that can be for us as it was for her. I wanna go back to Luke chapter two. Let's look at that together again. In Luke chapter two, we're gonna pick up with verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Today I want to focus on this next verse, verse 19, because we oftentimes read this story and just kind of pass over this verse. And we have the accounts and the Christmas plays and all of that, and we kind of pass over this verse. Verse 19 says this, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. As we talked about beginning this series with life being made up of moments, the reason those moments stand out to you is because for whatever reason, good or bad, those things stuck in your mind. That you, you, you can recall them quickly. And sometimes it just, uh, probably it's this way for you, it is for me, even a smell can bring back a certain memory. A sight a song, a saying. They can all just trigger that moment, that memory that we have stored up in our heart and our mind. And for Mary, she is taking time when the shepherds left to just think through and ponder and treasure what was happening. So many times we miss holy moments because we don't slow down enough to pay attention. We don't really think about what we're doing or what we're experiencing or, or all that God had done to bring us to that place to experience that moment. We're rushing through life so much we miss that beauty of treasuring the moments that God gives us. And sometimes we don't really understand how valuable they were until you don't have a chance to experience them anymore. Someone has died. Life changes. We move on. And you don't get to go back to that moment that you didn't treasure when you had it. Mary is making sure she doesn't miss how important this moment is. Not just for her, but she's been told so many things about this baby that she's treasuring and pondering all of these things. Now, I don't claim to know the mind of Mary that night in that stable in Bethlehem. But I think we could take a very knowledgeable, educated guess as to some of the things she was pondering and treasuring in her mind. I want to mention just three of them, I think, that she was probably treasuring. And I believe we have scriptural confirmation of these things, okay? One of the things I think she was pondering and treasuring was God's promises from the past that she's now seeing come to light, being fulfilled. I mean, that would be a normal thing for her. She was raised her whole life with the promises 
of God sending this deliverer, this Messiah, this Savior. It was not something that would have been new to her to think about that. In fact, in the life of the average uh, Jewish person at that time, they were really hungry for God fulfilling that promise. They're living under less than great conditions, under the rule of Rome, a pagan government, and they're not being treated well, and they wanted God to send their helper, their deliverer. And God had promised that he would send this one. Way back in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, God spoke through the prophet and said, But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. The Jews understood that was a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. Mary would have grown up learning that verse. Almost all Jewish children did because they were all taught to hope for and long for the fulfillment of that promise. That promise was given over 700 years before that night that Mary is pondering and treasuring these things in her heart, all that was happening. And at the center of all that was happening, she could see and know that she was part of God keeping his promise that he had made. I can't imagine how it made her feel to know that she was playing an intricate role, an intricate part in God's working throughout history to fulfill this promise that he made to his people. In Isaiah 7 and verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Of course, that means God with us. And now Mary could connect the dots, right? She could see that that promise, again, over 700 years before this night, that she's that virgin. She's that one that God had chosen. She's the one that even way back then, God already had his plan worked out that at that time, in that moment, she was there for such a time as this, and God could use her because of her readiness, her preparedness for that holy moment where God chose to use her in that way. You see, when we think of God's work in the past, even today, we need to understand how precious it is that we can see how God has kept his promises. We are the benefits. We are benefiting today from God's promise. We can celebrate Christmas and celebrate it all over the world. Why? Because God kept his promises. He did what he said he was going to do. He brought us the Savior, the Deliverer, and he worked throughout all of history to orchestrate the right time and the right place and the right people to introduce the Savior to the world. And he's still keeping his promises today for all of us. I'm sure if you took the time to ponder and treasure some things of the work of God in your life, and I don't know what situation you're in right now, all of you. I don't know what struggle you're facing, a hard thing you're going through. I know a lot of you have gone through recently some really hard things. But I know this. When I look back over my life, even in the hardest of things that our family has dealt with, that I've dealt with personally, there's still some moments in those hard times that I treasure. 
and that I ponder even today how amazing it is that God wasn't caught off guard by those things. And God prepared and connected the dots and orchestrated things in such a way that he was able to bring about good, the greatest good, even through the hardest of times. So wherever you're at right now, if you've got great things going on, treasure them, ponder them. If you've got hard things going on, learn to treasure and ponder how God's using that too. As he's using you in the middle of that. See, for Mary, as great as we think that night was, it was one of the hardest nights of her life. Think about that. She had planned to have the baby at home with her family. Now she's had a baby in a barn with the animals after traveling some 90 miles to get there on foot or horseback or donkey. This was not an easy time for her, but she's treasuring and pondering all of these things about how God has been so faithful in the past which leads to the second thing today that I think she was pondering and treasuring, and that's this. It's God's peace in the present, no matter what the circumstances. God's peace in the present. She treasured up and pondered these things. What just happened? The shepherds had just showed up at the stable, right? You see, this had been, I, I, I can't claim, I, I always hesitate to talk about this, about, how hard it is for a woman to give birth to her baby. Like, you got, like, yeah, Pastor Andy, you got a clue, right? Uh, I don't really understand how hard that is, but I was there for both of our children and, and their deliveries. And I, uh, I could see and experience a little bit of how hard it was for Sue Ann. She had both children naturally, so it was, uh, it was uh, <laughs> excruciating for her, I'm sure. But beautiful at the same time, right? both of those things. Mary has just gone through all of that and now that baby is there and all of a sudden some people show up at the stable right after having the baby. And it's dirty old shepherds. And, and I don't know at this point how easy it was to amaze Mary anymore after all the amazing things that had already happened, but, but she's got to be thinking, well, that's just like God, right, to, to send us some visitors right here when I just gave birth and going through all this and I had to be in a stable and they didn't have room in the inn and all that. And, and in the middle of all that, God sends them some visitors. And the visitors recount to Mary and to Joseph how the angel appeared to them out on the hillside. And then the heavenly host appeared with the angel, crying out, glory to God in the highest heaven the message that they brought. And she's pondering this in her heart, treasuring this in her heart that God gave her some more affirmation about this baby and about what she had just gone through as hard as it was and why it was so important and so meaningful. I can't help but think that in the midst of the chaos of having a baby in a barn, there was still a sense of peace and reassurance that came from the message of those shepherds. In that moment, in that moment when they said, oh, God sent us an angel, Mary, it was amazing. The angel said these things about the baby, the, the host, the heavenly host, the glory of God was so bright we could hardly stand looking into it. It was amazing. And Mary's remembering how God has always provided in the present, in the moment. She's remembering how 
when she was going to find out she was going to have this baby. It was an angel that delivered that news to her and reassured her that this was a work of God through the Holy Spirit that she would conceive and give birth to this son. And it brought peace to know I'm in the will of God. This is God's plan. This is God's purpose. There's something about knowing you're in the middle of the will of God in your life that brings peace, no matter what the circumstances. It really is. That even when it's chaos, even when it's hard, even when when you don't understand everything about it, if you know it's God's will, you can have peace anyway. And Mary knows this is the will of God, the act of God, the work of God in her life. So she can ponder and treasure these things as hard as they were in the moment. She was probably reminded of not only her encounter with the angel herself, but but Joseph's encounter with the angel, how that helped her have some peace, that Joseph was told from God, uh, revealed by by God that that this baby was from the Holy Spirit, that this baby, it was okay for for Joseph to take Mary to be his wife, how, how God in that moment provided exactly what Mary needed for Joseph to be able to accept her story about what was going on. And that he wouldn't be afraid to take her to be his wife. See how that would bring peace in a time where she just didn't know what was going to happen. But she knew God. She could see that God was working in it all. Taking care of everything. Making sure everything was provided for. I'm guessing she might have looked over at Joseph. And saw him in a different light than she'd ever seen him before. This man. This man listened to God's voice. He took her to be his wife, even though he could have every right under the law, cast her out, left her to go through this by herself. He walked alongside her through all of it and was there with her and that baby. All of those things would have brought peace to her heart and to her mind. And maybe... Just maybe we miss that sometimes because we are not taking time to ponder and treasure all that God is doing in our lives. Maybe if you're not at peace in the present right now in your mind, I know Christmas can be chaotic and you may still, you know, I start shopping today. This is my shopping day. Uh, I don't know why that's funny. Every year you, you guys laugh at that. I I'm, not, I'm in no hurry. I, it's fine. Uh, I don't mind the crowds. It doesn't bother me. I, I know for many of you, there's this feeling of anxiety. Maybe you've got family in town or that's going to be arriving soon. Maybe you've got conflict in the family and people are arguing and fussing about who's going to do what and who's cooking what and who's providing what and where are you going to be and all of that stuff that can really disturb our peace at a time when we're celebrating the birth of the Prince of Peace. Maybe you just spent money you didn't have, you shouldn't have spent, thinking that's what it was about. You had to buy those gifts. You had to buy those presents. You had to make sure they had everything they asked for, even though you couldn't really afford it. And now you know you're going to face the bills. You know it's going to be hard. You know you 
put yourself in a place you shouldn't have put yourself or your family. Maybe it's because we didn't stop to treasure the moment of what it's really all about. I love being able to give presents and share with others at a time like this at Christmas. It's a great tradition. I love that we banded together as a church and partnered with other organizations to provide for families so their kids could get gifts and things that they needed. That's a beautiful thing. But I want to remind you, even if not a single gift was purchased for anybody, it would not have changed what this day is all about. It's about the greatest gift of all. And in the moment, we need to treasure this gift. We need to remember all that God did throughout all of history to bring us this gift. And we need to value this gift for the fact that it is our only hope for all eternity, this gift of the child Jesus. This gift is the one, this baby is the one who would provide for us the payment for our sins. It's a gift that we didn't deserve, we didn't earn. We didn't even know to ask for it. But God knew we needed it. And he planned throughout all of history, before even the foundation of the world, to bring this lamb to be slain for the sins of the world. Maybe we need to pause and allow ourselves to experience peace in the present, in the gift of the Son, Jesus. We need to learn to treasure it in our heart. Because there is no other gift that you worried so much about and spent so much on or had to search all over to get. There is no other gift that even begins to compare with this gift. Let this gift be your peace this Christmas. Well, I think she was thinking of God's promises from the past and God's peace in the moment. But I think she also began to think about God's provision for the future. Don't you? When you, re when you remember and you ponder all that God has done before this time, doesn't it give you hope for what God will continue to do? For what God will continue to be uh, as God, that he will continue to be the faithful God that he's always been when you can remember all that he's done in the past? So many times when we're facing a moment that's hard or a crisis in our lives, we just begin to panic in that moment, and we forget. We've had moments like that before, and God got us through those. I mean, you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be celebrating Christmas this year if God had not already gotten you through every single moment of your life to get here, right? He has proven his faithfulness in your life, in my life. Shouldn't we have confidence in the future? For God's provision, Mary is thinking and remembering all that God has done, all that he's provided for already. She remembered his care through all of this, and it had to strengthen her faith in God's provision for the future. It reminds me of this guy that worked at the post office, and uh, one of his jobs was to process all the mail that had illegible addresses on it. It was hard to read, and they couldn't deliver those letters, and so he would try to to see if there was a way they could find out who it needed to go to. And she had one, he came across one letter that had shaky handwriting on it, but it just said to God on it. He thought, well, that's interesting. I'm going to open this up and see what it's all about, see what it says. 
And he opened it, and it read like this. Dear God, I'm a 93-year-old widow living in a very small pension, on a very small pension. Yesterday, someone stole my purse, and it had $100 in it, which was all the money I had until my next pension check. Next Sunday's Christmas, and I had invited two of my friends over for dinner. Without that money, I have nothing to buy food with. I have no family to turn to, and you are my only hope. Can you please help me? Sincerely, Edna. Well, the postal worker was touched, and he showed his letter to his, this letter to his fellow workers, and each of them dug into their wallets, and they put some money in, and they ended up with $96 total. They put that into an envelope and mailed it to the woman. They had her address there on the envelope. They were finally able to make it out and mailed her the $96. Where the rest of the day, all the workers felt a, a warm sensation for the good thing that they had done. And Christmas came and went. And then a few days later, they got another letter in the mail. And he recognized it was his shaky handwriting again from Edna. And so he opened it up. And here's what it said. Dear God, how can I ever thank you enough for what you did for me? Because of your gift of love, I was able to fix a glorious dinner for my friends. We had a very nice day. And I told my friends of your wonderful gift. By the way, there was $4 missing. <laughs> I think it must have been those thieves at the post office. <laughs> Love, Edna. Sometimes what God provides is not in the way you think, right? It's not how you thought it was going to work out. When Mary found out she was pregnant, she had no idea how God was going to orchestrate everything for the delivery of this baby. In fact, when she got engaged to Joseph to be married, she had no idea at that point yet what God's plan was going to be for her. Not, a, not even a clue. But she was already someone who believed in God and trusted God and was following God's plan for her life already. And now she could see God was there the whole time, providing every single thing that was needed, and she trusted God for whatever would happen. That's why when you read her response in Luke, when she said to God, I'm your maidservant, I'm your bondservant, just do to me whatever your will is, God. She was trusting God for the future because she knew God provides for whatever his future plan is. He doesn't call you to anything without providing what you need for it. He doesn't. Somebody says this. I've heard it over and over again. And, and I think it's such a mistake to think this way. It says this. God will never give you more than you can handle. That's one of the most wrong, uh, incorrect statements I've ever heard. He always gives us more than we can handle. You know why? Because he wants to trust in his provision, not our own. We can't handle all this stuff on our own. We're going to kill ourselves trying to do that. We're going to hurt ourselves and hurt others because we cannot do it. We need to stop struggling to do it ourselves by our own strength. We need to start depending on God's provision more. Because when God is leading us to take those steps, he's already put there what we're going to need when we get there. He's not going to let us know ahead of time. All the time. Occasionally he might. I love, my wife started uh, quoting this saying a lot, and I, I, I love it. I appreciate Sue Ann 
sharing this with me and with so many others. She said, don't be afraid of tomorrow because God's already there, right? He's the God of tomorrows. He's already there. And so his provision is already there, whether you see it yet or not. See, that's what faith is all about, is even when you don't see it, you trust him to provide it. And when you get there, guess what you find out? He's there with his provision, with his care, with what you need exactly when you need it. We can see in the next few episodes in Scripture how God was continuing to provide for Mary, proving that she had every right and every reason to trust him. On the eighth day, it says later on, and Luke, when they were supposed to take the baby to present him in the temple for circumcision, and the, Mary and Joseph went to the temple with the baby Jesus. And while they were there at the temple, God was still providing, right? He was still making sure they knew, I'm with you in this. I got you in this whole thing. Don't be afraid. Uh, there was a, a prophet named Simeon who was there to greet them. And Simeon said, God had revealed to me that I wasn't going to die before I got to see with my own eyes his fulfillment of his promise to send the Messiah. And then Simeon cried out to God, you can take me now. You kept your promise. It's so wonderful. And then there was another prophet, a woman named uh, Anna, that also spoke great things about this child that God had revealed to her. Don't you know what that did for the heart of Mary? Just reassurance, God's got this. God's got you through all of this. And I also wonder of some ways it was going to be hard, some things that were going to pierce her heart along the way. But it was a reminder that even in those things, God's got you, Mary. He's got all of us in his care, in his hand, in his plan for our lives. <laughs> a little later on, the Magi would have arrived, the wise men, Magi, whatever terms you want to use, they came and they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. Not Frankenstein, frankincense and myrrh. And they also brought some intel, some inside information about Herod's plan to kill the babies two years old and younger that had been born during that time to make sure he eliminated this one who was said to be the, a king because of the threat he saw there. And I see these memes all the time. Well, you know, leave it to three wise men to bring such impractical gifts. If it had been three wise women, they would have brought diapers and, you know, that kind of stuff, right? But you forget, it's okay to laugh at that, but what the wise men brought was deeper than that. And it was even more practical than you think what they brought. The frankincense and myrrh would have been symbolic of Jesus' life and ministry that he was going to live out. Frankincense is emblematic of prayer and myrrh, uh, an oil or ointment that was used often for burial when somebody died. Very expensive, both frankincense and myrrh. But they also brought gold. And you know what the wise men told them they were going to have to do? Herod's going to be looking for the baby. He's going to want to kill this child. What are you going to have to do? You're going to have to escape. You're going to have to go to a different place. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of provision. They didn't plan ahead for that. They didn't even know that was going to happen. God was already there. 
They had these valuable gifts that they could use to take care of all of their needs, to make that journey, to make that trip. They fled into Egypt and were able to stay there and live off of these gifts that they had provided. And Joseph may have been able to pick up some work too or whatever, but they were able to take care. Their needs were met by God for exactly what they needed in the moment. You see, God was looking ahead in his plan, just like he is in your life and mine. I don't know everything I'm going to have to face in the days ahead. Neither do you. We can guess, we can estimate, we can have a plan. Nothing wrong with any of that. But remember what it said, what we, we often say in our culture is really true. When we make plans, God laughs. Right? It's okay to make plans, but understand that our plans don't control things. But God knows the future, and he's already there. And whatever you're going to face the rest of the today and tomorrow and the rest of your life, he's already gone ahead of you. And he's prepared the way, and he wants you to trust him with your future. He wants you to know you can count on him to be the faithful and true God that he really is. A little later on, when Jesus was 12 years old, we're told that Mary and Joseph made the trip to Jerusalem like every good Jewish family would uh, for the feast. And they went there, traveled there, and they had their whole family clan with them, and they traveled together in a group. And as they left, they started back home, and the family clan, they started looking and asking around, where's Jesus, where's Jesus? They couldn't find Jesus. He's 12 years old. So they said, oh, no, we left him in Jerusalem. So they turn around and they go back searching for Jesus. You know where they found him? In the temple, discussing theological things from Scripture with the other teachers of the law there in the temple. And Jesus was a little bit shocked that they didn't understand that that's where he would be. He said, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But it says, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother, it says again, treasured all these things in her heart. Here she is doing it again. Understanding how holy the moment was that her 12-year-old son would be talking, sharing, teaching, in a way well beyond his years in the temple. She could see God's hand at work. She could see God's provision and God's plan being played out even at the age of 12 in her son's life. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. But God's provision for Mary didn't stop there. We don't have any mention of Joseph after that account in the temple there when Jesus was 12. Most scholars believe he probably passed away sometime in that time period. Because later on, we see Jesus hanging on the cross and he's looking out at the people watching him bleed and die there on the cross. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, John says in John 19, said he saw his mother there, the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby. He said to her, woman, here is your son. And to his disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, his disciple took her into his home. This disciple was John himself often referred to as the one whom he loved. It's the one Jesus was probably closest to among all the disciples. 
You see, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, it was already God's plan for making sure Mary was still going to be taken care of after Jesus died on the cross and rose again to go back to be with the Father. See, as a widow, she would not have had anybody else that could really take care of her. That was usually the job of the oldest son in the family. And now he was going to be gone. But God didn't let this go unnoticed or uncared for or unprovided for. The Apostle John could take Mary into his home and take care of her for the rest of her life. You see, God had gone ahead. Even in the tragedy of watching her son die on the cross, God was providing for Mary even then. He doesn't miss any details. He's not caught off guard by anything that happens in your life. He's already got a plan and a purpose. And he's even able to use everything for your good when you love him and you follow him. The greatest provision of all was after that time on the cross and him making sure John took care of Mary, he went into that tomb and on the third day he rose again. And even then, he was providing for Mary because this child that she had delivered was now going to deliver her. And everyone else who would place their faith and their trust in this child who grew up to be the Savior, who conquered sin and death for all who would believe and follow after him. Maybe there's somebody today who on this Christmas in this celebration, in this moment, you realize God's provision for you. And you're ready to accept his call on your life, on your heart. You're ready to put your trust in him. You're ready to, at this time, go to him for that peace. To make reconciliation between you and God. That even in your sin, you could be forgiven. And you could turn from it and find forgiveness. Maybe today you're ready to profess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. For those of us who already know and trust in Jesus, may this be a time when we treasure and ponder and remember not just the Christmas celebration, but the plan of God for the redemption of mankind that this baby came to bring and how God had orchestrated things throughout all of history to bring us this gift, the greatest gift of all. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that today on this Christmas Eve as we celebrate, that we could take time to ponder and treasure all the great works you have done throughout all of history to bring us the Savior. And may we go beyond that to even ponder and remember the way you have always worked even in our own personal lives to provide what we've needed along the way. It's not always been what we thought or how we thought it was going to happen, but just like with Mary, you've been there all along. May we put our trust in you and in your son Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.